Well, good morning. It's a good way to start the Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, I tell you, what a great, great celebration. Dante, so proud of you, your family here. Just what an awesome celebration. And as a church family, you know, just a reminder, going all in with Jesus is the only place to go. Being in the boat with Jesus. And that doesn't matter what season you are in, no matter what you're walking through, Jesus is always the answer to get you through the storms, whatever they are, whatever the season is, whatever the challenge is. He is the answer to walk us through. And I'm glad we're together continuing to walk through this season of life all in and what it means to be all in with Jesus, all in on the church. Um, this morning, I'm going to give you a little uh, shift. So we're going to look at in the boat, but we're going to look at a different story, right? Now, I'm saving one for you because there's another one that I haven't hit yet. And I'm saving that for when we finish this series. But today is a really good one. And it's actually the beginning of one of the stories that we looked at. So take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. And Mark chapter 4, we've already looked at a couple of times. And we looked at that moment where Jesus is in the boat with the disciples in the storm, calms the storm. He's there for them. But prior to that happening, something else happens. We're going to look at that in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 today. So you're going to get your Bibles ready, and we're going to go through that. Here's the thing. As we just witnessed together, and there's no greater picture, when you go all in with Jesus, he's got the answer for you in every season of life. The hard thing is, so many times, we're distracted, we're challenged, we're focused on the storm or the busyness of life or the world around us that we fail to hear what Jesus is speaking so clearly. That's a reality for us today as people. And that's been a reality and a challenge for Christians even since Jesus spoke these words. I, I think that today when we look at Mark chapter 4 and we think about being in the boat all in with Jesus, I think you're going to find yourself somewhere in this story that Jesus tells. And it goes like this, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And he, that's Jesus, began to teach again by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to him. What did he do? That he got into the boat. He got into the place that he would not only do object lessons from at a later point with his disciples, but this is one of those moments where he actually gives a sermon where he actually gives teaching, where he actually gives instruction. And probably like today, even though Jesus would be standing in the boat, speaking, teaching, guiding us from our hearts, probably like today, the audience then thought, oh, this is nice. Look at all the people. This is fun. Oh, that's a great story. But they missed the point. Jesus got in the boat to give them a point. So he's there with this crowd, he's in the boat, he sits down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. Are you picturing this? Can you get this image? Jesus is in the boat, in the sea, already ahead of everybody else, already in front of a storm that would happen later. He's already out there, he's in the boat, he's teaching something very important for them, and what's everybody else doing? Even at this point, even the disciples, what are they doing? They're standing on the seashore listening. They're not participating yet. They're just on 
the shore. It's kind of like today. The Saints play, right? They're going to win, by the way. And as they play today, many people will be glued to their television. Many people will be in the stands cheering. But there's only some that get the joy of being in the game. There's only some that get the experience of actually being there. And Jesus, before he gets his disciples onto the field of faith, before he gets them out there to learn the object lesson, he preps them with this story. He was teaching them, verse 2 says, many things in parables, and he was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. You ever heard anybody say to you, hey, listen to me. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to give you wisdom. I'm trying to instruct you. I'm trying to prepare you for what's ahead. This is what he says. Listen. Listen to this. Behold, the sower, the farmer, goes out to sow or to farm. And as he's sowing, some seeds fell beside the road. And the birds of the air, they came and they ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, but it has it because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell on the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty and sixty and a hundred fold. Verse 13, the explanation. Jesus said to them, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How would you then understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Some of your translations will say it even more clearly than that. The sower sows the word of God. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes, and he takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, there are, these are the ones in whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, Immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, they bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, this is a parable that Jesus gives from the boat. This is a parable that Jesus gives before the storm. This is the instruction that he offers to the crowd. So, he's not just giving this instruction just to those who are closest to him. And everybody's probably like, oh, that's a neat story. Wow, man, that was, that was a great message, Jesus. Oh, I really like that. What was he talking about? It was kind of like you do sometimes on church on Sunday, right? You go to lunch. You remember what the pastor said, you know, and, and, and then you get home. And then what did the pastor say? And then on Monday, I know, because by the way, my Mondays come like yours, right? On Monday, what did we talk about yesterday? 
That's how easy it is to have the Word of God planted into our lives, to hear the Word of God, the Word of Christ speaking to us, and to have it choked out, to have it taken away, to have something else steal our focus. Jesus knew this. And sometimes we need object lessons to drive home the verbal lessons that have been taught to us. Think about it. When you go through life and it's all working according to plan, um, we don't sometimes see the hand of God or search for the goodness of God in that. But when there's a challenge, what's the first thing that we do? <laughs> God, where are you? God, what's going on? God, I need you. God, will you help me? Usually it takes the object lesson for us to get the written or verbal lesson. And Jesus has a way of speaking both to us in a message and verbally through his spirit. And he has a way of getting our attention through real lessons in life. That's what he has a way of doing. And by the way, remember this as we walk through this parable together today. He never let his disciples drown. He didn't let them drown, right? He let them learn the lesson, but he didn't let them sink. He let them think they were going to sink, think they were going to perish, think it was all going to fall apart. He never left the boat. Think about that for just a moment. He was always, from the moment he started teaching, through the object lesson, to the other side. In Mark chapter 4, he's with them the whole time. And this parable, before the storm even hits, is beautiful because it helps me understand the importance of an encouraging word. What Jesus gave to his disciples and to the crowd was actually an encouraging word. And an encouraging word does two things. An encouraging word, number one, will actually build you up. It will actually make you feel good about something in your life. But an encouraging word will also do the second thing. An encouraging word will give you direction. An encouraging word will say it's not just this good information to feel, help you feel good about yourself. An encouraging word will help you see a direction or a goal that is beyond you in the moment. It will help you capture the good things about your life currently so that you will be motivated to launch to something that you cannot see that is better than what you see in the immediate that's what a real encouraging word does. And Jesus gives all of his followers an encouraging word that would prepare them and help them for what they could not see so that their faith would sprout, so that their actions would grow, and they would accomplish something greater down the road. Now, this happens before they even get in the boat. And I love that because an encouraging word from Christ does something for us. I want you to take notes today. Our life lesson is very important because it's a very simple principle that helps us in the storms of life. The encouragement of Christ is the word that we need to make it through the storms of life. The encouragement of Christ is the word that we need to make it through the storms of life. What did the farmer sow? The word. What was Jesus giving to his followers before they hit the storm? The word. Was the word enough? Absolutely. Was the word all that they needed? Yes, it was. But it took an object lesson for them to let the word get planted into their heart. Let's look at the power of an encouraging word and why in these days, think about it, with the challenges we face in our culture, 
the challenges that we face in our city and in our region, the challenges that some of you are still facing personally because of a storm named Ida or another personal storm that you're walking through as you try to navigate to the other side that you can't see yet. Why do we need an encouraging word? Because an encouraging word helps us see where we are in the moment, helps us prepare us for what's ahead, and an encouraging word will get you to your destination the right way with the right instruction so that you are fruitful on the other side. And that's what Jesus did for his disciples. That's what Christ does for his children. That's what he does for you. And here's the power of the encouraging word of Christ. He gives four scenarios in his story. And I know that if you've been in church a long time, maybe you've learned this at vacation Bible school or in your Bible study, I understand this parable, this story, is one of the most popular stories. It's one that most people know because it's this cool story of the farmer going out and sowing. But the crowd didn't get it at first. The disciples didn't get it at first. And Jesus, through his explanation, helped them understand what he was really trying to say. When do you need an encouraging word? Every day. <laughs> when do you need someone to stand beside you, help you navigate a circumstance? And not with just a make you feel good, but with some direction, with some substance. Someone that's there for you in a moment of crisis or in a moment you don't know how to deal with. You need someone to offer you the encouragement in that moment. Ridicule, you don't need. Discouragement, you don't need. That comes naturally. We beat ourselves up enough. We beat ourselves down enough. To have someone that sees the best in you, that looks for the best in you, and that looks for the best in your future, now that's rare. And we need that kind of encouraging word. And that's what Jesus brings from the boat, especially to those who are about to get all in with him in the middle of what was next. Here's the power of the encouraging word. Number one, when I think of what Jesus was saying in this parable that helps me, that I believe will help you as you navigate in the storms, Jesus beside you, giving you the encouragement that you need in life, number one, we all need the encouraging word of heavenly protection. Heavenly protection. You see, the farmer goes out to sow, and he sows the word. And the word has been received by every soil. The word was heard by every different scenario. The seed went out. The seed landed on the ground every single time. That is true of the world today. That is true of you who believe, and that's true of anyone who doesn't believe. The word goes out, and it's going to land on a certain kind of soil in the soul. The first soil, it says that it falls by the road, and the birds of the air come and take it. The birds of the air. Now think about that, because it's kind of like you're this little seed on the ground, right? And here I am, I'm a seed, I'm trying to grow, right? And this bird swoops in and like snatches you up so you don't get to take root. You don't get to grow. You don't get to move forward. Literally, I can, I can picture this bird just literally dropping in. I mean, pick your favorite little sweet little mockingbird, nice little bird. And then think of yourself as a worm. Is that bird really nice to you if you're the worm? No. Is that bird really nice to you if you're the seed? No. That bird has a mission to eat you, to devour you, to destroy what's good about you. 
And everybody's thinking, oh, what a sweet little story. Jesus is talking about birds and seed. And then Jesus says, hey, don't miss the point. The bird is the devil. The bird is the enemy. The bird is against you to come and swoop in and steal everything good about your current existence and your future. He's coming in to take everything that's good about you right now, and he's coming in to take anything of encouragement about what you could become in the future if the word were to take root in your life. And he says very clearly, that's the devil. Reminds me of John chapter 10, where Jesus says, the devil, the thief, he comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. How does he do that? He comes and he looks like your friend. He looks like your buddy. He gives you this impression that it's all good. It feels good. Jump right in, right? And yet the whole method of the devil is always about your destruction. What do we need to keep the birds of the air from snatching what is good in our lives? We need the heavenly protection of Christ over the seed in our soul. That's what we need. We need the heavenly protection of Jesus over our lives so that the encouraging word of God may sprout within us and grow to fulfillment of something good that he is trying to do in your life. And therefore, we all need to thank God for the encouraging word of heavenly protection that Jesus can give to keep the enemy away from us us. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever walked through a circumstance in your life where when you look at it, you know it was the hand of God that protected your life? Have you ever had that? Have you stopped to thank him for that? I mean, I, I can think of a few recently, right? I can think of we walked through a hurricane. And, and I realize that in this region, there are many people affected different ways. And as people would ask me, okay, how's the church? How's your home? I would respond and say, we have a church and I have a home. And do we have damage? Do we have things to recover from? Absolutely. And it's significant. And it's going to require some patience. But how do you get through those moments when the devil tries to steal from you what God means and intends for good? You need an encouraging word. You need someone standing with you, building up what is good today so that you can get to where God wants you to be tomorrow. You need an encouraging word. And you need to receive that by understanding that word will sprout in your life when you recognize and thank God for his heavenly protection over your life. The heavenly protection of God over your life. Someone I love and know very uh, personally and dear to my life had an experience just recently. And there's no doubt that it wasn't the technology that kept them safe in an accident they walked through. It was the hand of God and the prayers of faithful people who constantly pray for God's protection over their life. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you recognize that. And the encouragement you need today to recognize from the word of God, from the word of Jesus in the boat to you as he bids you get in the boat, go all in with me. He's saying to you, I have heavenly protection over your soul. Have you received that? Have you thanked him for that? Because the protection of God keeps that bird 
from coming in and snatching what is good in your life. He keeps that bird from swooping in and destroying what can be your future. And only Jesus can do that. Only the Son of God can tell the storms to stop. Only the Son of God can say to the devil, stay away from that one. That's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. Leave them alone. It is the protection of Almighty God that is heavenly. And I think an encouraging word that we all need today is to say, God, thank you for your protection. I ask you for your heavenly protection. I ask you that you would bring what you have placed by your word into my heart to fruition so that I may bear fruit in my life 30, 60, 100 fold. It doesn't matter. It's the protection of God that gets us there. And aren't you grateful for that? That's encouraging word number one. Encouraging word number two, when I look at the next part of the story, you see some f seed falls beside the road, the birds came, they snatch it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it springs up because it has no depth of soil. But the sun rises, it scorches the seed, and because there is no root, it withers away. Here's the reality. And Jesus taught them this verbal lesson before they experienced the object lesson. Storms are inevitable. Challenges are inevitable. Trust in Jesus or you don't trust in Jesus. You're going to have a storm. Guaranteed. Storms are not just limited for people who don't love God. Storms happen especially, I think, sometimes to people who do love God. So get ready for that one. But the encouraging word for you is to let the word take root in your soul. As you let the word take root in your soul, you then are able to do something that a lot of people simply don't know how to do when storms come. And that is the ability to have, secondly, long-term perseverance. Long-term perseverance. What's the problem with seed number two? It sprouts up quickly. It got saved. It gave its heart to Jesus. It felt good on a Sunday and thought something's happening, so I'm with this. But then the challenges come. The storms come. The difficulties come. The doubts come. Life happens and what begins to occur is this very natural process of well I don't believe anymore I can't do it I don't know how nobody's for me all of these doubts begin to creep in have you ever felt that you ever felt that moment of well God's not with me. Or maybe you felt the isolation in this last season of life. Or even now you feel alone. You feel challenged. All of these things come at us. And the only way that you make it through those type of seasons. When the sun is scorching. When the winds are roaring. When the waves are crashing against your boat. Is you have to have the kind of long term perseverance to know. 
what has taken root in your soul, the word of God, the salvation of Jesus, his presence with you as you went all in with him, he is with you in that moment. He is going to get you through it. And you are going to come through the other side. But you can never quit. You can never give up. It requires long-term perseverance. Perseverance happens when you are challenged, when it is difficult, when things are not going your way, when you're struggling, when you're stressed, when you're pressured. Perseverance is this key to life to overcome whatever's coming your way. And sometimes we try to persevere in our own strength, don't we? And here's what I found, quite frankly, as a human being. I'm limited. There are days where I'm stressed out, as 21 pilots would say, right? There are days where I'm overwhelmed. I can't handle any more storms. I can't handle anybody else's storm. I can't handle any more of life. Just leave me alone for a minute. Let me think. Let me pray. Let me sleep. I'm sure I'm the only one that feels that way, right? Now, I have some agreeing people here in the house this morning, but I know for those of you online, um, I don't know if you've ever felt that as well or not. It happens. An encouraging word says to the child of God in a moment like that, let the word take root. The sun's shining down. The wind is scorching. The storm is brewing. But hold on to the word. When you have strong roots, you're able to hold on even when the hurricane blows your way. When you have your root drilled into Christ, when anything comes your way, sickness, financial, personal, name it, holding on to Jesus, the encouraging power of the word planted in your soul, the word of Christ that calls you his son, his daughter, his child, when it blows through and it's blowing against you, persevere. Persevere. Did the boat ever sink? Never. Jesus was in it beforehand. Jesus was in it during. And Jesus was with them when they made it through. All they had to do was learn the lesson of long-term perseverance. I understand that in life, there are challenges in the immediate and they overwhelm. It's like a storm. You cannot see how to get out of it. You cannot see the other side. Don't get out of the boat. Now, I realize that some of you will go, well, Peter got out of the boat, right? He walked on water for a minute. And then he took his eyes off of Jesus. And what happened? He sank, right? We sink when we disconnect from Christ. We sink when we don't drill down into the soil of our soul into our relationship with Christ, we begin to sink. And that's what happened to Peter. What did Peter have to do? Get back in the boat. And then the storm was calm. Then the victory came. Listen, your victory is coming. Your storm will end. The challenge will be overcome in your life. But you have to hold on. You have to persevere. You have to have a mindset in Christ that I am going to overcome. Now, we've been walking through a pandemic season of life. We've walked through two significant hurricanes. We've walked through some very challenging personal seasons of life for many of us in this family of faith. And guess what? Here we are. 
I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. You never quit. You never quit on the Lord. This week, one of our dear senior adults in the church went home to meet Jesus. She was one of my favorite ladies in the church. Now, don't get your feelings hurt that I would say that about her. You know, you'll get your turn when you go to meet Jesus, right? So here's the thing. As she went home, Miss Dot Richards, to see Jesus this week, one of the things I know about that woman is that she was a woman that loved the Lord. You know, her story was not easy. She had challenges in her life. Those that knew her knew that she had to overcome a lot of significant odds. But every Sunday when things were operating as normal and I'd stand back there, that dear lady would come hug my neck with her beautiful red hair, tell me that she loved me. She was such an inspiration to so many people. And she is the kind of woman who persevered. And her perseverance has been rewarded today. She's celebrating in heaven. That's where she is. No doubt about that with that lady, right? And here's the thing. Life is a long-term journey. But we have to persevere in the difficult moments to see the reward on the other side. To get to the fruitfulness, we have to persevere when the storms and the challenges come our way. And to do that, what do we need? The encouragement of Christ. The encouragement of Christ's people. The encouragement of people in the boat with Jesus. And when we have that, we can overcome too. Isn't that good? Let's go to number three. There's a third soil. And when you look at the third soil, other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and they choked it. And it yielded no crop. Now literally, Jesus goes on and explains what this means. This is the word of God sown into the hearts of people. But the world, the information, the social media, the temptations... The challenges, the good times, the world comes and chokes out Jesus in the lives of those who are like this. Literally, it's not an issue of whether or not they trusted Jesus. It's just they trusted Jesus and they loved the world and they let the world win. They trusted Jesus. They received Jesus. So I want you to recognize that. Because this is a challenge I know for many of us even today. They received Jesus. But they loved the world a lot. And the world won. The world literally like the thorns comes up and choked out the word of God. Took it out of existence. Caused it to yield no fruit. Now there's some debate in, in scripture and among some scholars that you would go on and read, well, well, at least they were saved. There's some debate that says, okay, well, this one actually received the word and sprouted, but it just got choked out of its usefulness. I just want to tell you, I don't want to have that debate with Jesus when I see him face to face. Uh, Jesus, I loved you and I received you, but I lived like the devil my whole life and I'm so glad I'm getting into heaven. I don't want to roll those dice. Nor do I think, do you? But people do that. That's what we do. We want to receive the seed, but yet we want to sprout all the things and the fruit of the world from our life. And therefore, you can't even discern, is this good soil or is this bad soil? Is this the fruit of God or the fruit of the devil? All of a sudden... 
there's this great conundrum, this problem that develops because the world has taken over. So the language looks like the world. The actions look like the world. It's kind of like we used to say when I was growing up as a teenager, my, my student pastor would say to me, it's G-I-G-O, G-I-G-O. What does G-I-G-O mean? Garbage in, garbage out. Put garbage in, garbage comes out. Godliness in, godliness comes out. The Word of God comes in, the Word of God will come out. It's all about what you're feeding your soul. And in this circumstance, the way that I think Jesus would encourage us in the walk of life that we all have, and it is challenging, I understand that, is that we have to have the third thing. The third encouraging word that I receive from the Lord in this moment is we have to have a lifetime perspective. You see, when storms come, we have to have long-term perseverance. But God gives you a lifetime, and here's the challenge with the lifetime. Sometimes we do not stop to think with a lifetime perspective. Do you know what gets most of us in trouble? Is that we live in the moment. And we minimize what God is going to do in our lifetime by maximizing what we want or feel in a moment. I have some dear friends, and it's funny because as we talk and as we share things, usually what happens is in the moments when we can't see, someone with an encouraging word comes in and says, look, I know you can't see it today, but God is going to do this in your life. If you will trust him and give him a month, give him two months, give him six months, give him a year to work it out. What's fascinating is when we have those conversations and we think lifetime, not moment, when we think what God's doing in a process, not the immediate, it allows us as people to be patient, to trust the Lord, to let his word take root, to begin to grow. And then over the course of a lifetime, what do you see? You see him provide something better in the long term than you were willing to have in a moment. It's all about sacrifice, isn't it? I mean, the reality is, for those of you who are parents, I know how you are. You would do anything for your children. Anything. You give them your absolute best. You'd sacrifice everything you could. But what happens so many times in the lives of our children? They don't see it that way. All they know is the moment. But what do you need to teach them? What do we struggle with as parents? What do we want them to see? Is that we give you the absolute best that we possibly can in a moment because we believe in what God could do in your future down the road. We want you to see the lifetime that we're trying to provide for you. Isn't that right, parents, grandparents? Isn't that true of your life? You want them to see not just the moment, but the rewards and the fruit of a lifetime of faithfulness to the Lord. And a lifetime perspective is something where in a moment when you're tempted, in a moment when you're challenged, in a moment where that weak spot in your life is exposed. And by the way, the birds of the air know what the weak spot is. It's the devil. He knows what it is. And so when he exposes that, think lifetime, not moment. Great marriages, by the way, this is one thing I've learned by counseling and pastoring and, and being able to walk through life with people. Um, there are seasons of life where marriages go through really, really difficult times. And you know what they do? They have long-term perseverance and they have a lifetime perspective. They stick it out. That's what they do. 
That's people who've been married 50 years, like one of our families celebrated last weekend. They stick it out. It's funny, I asked them a while back um, as I was having lunch with this family, um, was it always easy? <laughs> and they said, no. <laughs> but we persevere with a lifetime perspective, right? A lifetime perspective allows you to look long-term, not immediate, allows you to say, God, what are you going to do in the future? And by the way, where did this story come from? Jesus was already in the boat. Where was everybody else? On the shore. Jesus still saw the long-term perspective. You're going to get in the boat with me. You're going to go all in with me, and I'm going to take you to the other side. He still knew before it ever happened. That's how he is in your life. When you trust him with a lifetime perspective, it's not just today. God, what are you going to do with my life? That's when fruitfulness begins to occur. And that's the final seed, the fourth and final thing. You know, as you go through the parable, Jesus tells about these three. And if he stopped there, that doesn't seem encouraging. But all of these build up a model for you and I to be encouraged by Christ. You see, we need the heavenly protection of God, right? We need long-term perseverance in hard times, right? We need a lifetime perspective of walking with Jesus, being all in with him on the boat, right? Why? Because then it builds up to this exciting conclusion. Everybody missed it. They liked the end product, but they missed how to get there. Jesus just told them, you get there by asking and thanking God for his heavenly protection. You get there by having this long-term perseverance through dry seasons. You get there by having a lifetime perspective where you look at what God's doing in your life. And then ultimately, what do you experience? You experience eternal productivity. You experience this eternal sense of productivity, of well-being, of fruitfulness, of growing in grace in your relationship with Christ. You see, the seed that was taken in to a good heart, it produced fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. 30, 60, and 100-fold. Now... Whatever you have in your bank account right now, just double that. Now, not because I said so, right? I'm not going to put it there. But if you, if you looked at it and went, um, man, I double that. Some of you are going, well, double zero is still zero. Right, I, I get it, right? I understand that. <laughs> but if you can imagine something in your life that God was doing that was good, and you doubled it, would you like that? Would you receive a double blessing? Hey, Jesus actually says the return on your life when you thank God and you plug into his heavenly protection from the, the, the tricks of the devil, the birds of the air, the return on your life can be 30 times what it is today. The return on your life when you have this sense of perseverance that is long-term beyond the circumstance of the moment. I've got to persevere through this because when you persevere through that difficult season, the return on your life could be 60-fold. 60 times better than what it is when you're in the moment of crisis, whatever it may be. The return on your life when you say, world, you're not going to choke out the word of God in my life. World, I'm not putting garbage in and filling it with garbage and expecting a different result. God, I want you in so that I can get a, a, a different result. And the return on your life, imagine this. When you go all in with Jesus, in the boat with Jesus, when you trust in Jesus, the return on your life can be a hundredfold. 
What God can do with good soil, good hearts, good people who receive him through an encouraging word is to say, look, you can have something that happens good in your life that's not just today, not just tomorrow, but something that has eternal, eternal significance. The greatest hunger of the human life is not just to live a meaningful life today. The greatest hunger of a human life is to live a life that lives on, that goes on and on and on. And some people try to get that through fame, popularity, leaving a legacy, financially, a book, a great name, a great star, whatever it would be. But what if because you had a good heart, a good soil, and you received the encouraging word, the saving word of Jesus, you let that begin to take root in your soul. And you begin to let that grow in your actions, in your faith, in your sharing of it to others. Then your life, all of a sudden, through thick and thin, through storms, through seasons of harvest that are good, your life begins to take on eternal significance. And here's the beautiful thing. Do you realize that most people in the world never lead one person to Jesus, not one? But if you let the word take root in your soul and it begins to change who you are and you get a mission and a purpose to just lead one person to Christ in some way, in some form, then you have done something that is otherworldly. You have done something by living against the world, away from the world, not following the world. You have done something that is heavenly. And your Father who is in heaven sees that. Your Father who is in heaven rewards that. And to Him, hey, your zero may still like, look like zero on earth. But there's an eternal productivity that's happening because of your life today. When you trust in the Lord, His protection, His perseverance, His lifetime perspective with Him, you're going to bear fruit that's eternal. Your life takes on a new productivity, and it has rewards 30, 60, 100-fold. As a matter of fact, there may be a reality that for some of you, perhaps today, or maybe even in our online family, Maybe for you, step one is that you don't want to be the first three kinds of soil. You want to be the kind of person that says, Jesus, I heard the word. You're encouraging my heart right now. And I want you to come in. Not shallow, not stolen away, not withering or choked out by the world. Jesus, I want you all in. I want you all in and I want to go all in with you. If that's who you are today then I'm going to encourage you in just a moment as we pray. You ask Christ to come in and fill your life with his salvation, with his grace, with his love, with the word. Be ready to grow 30, 60, 100. And likewise, Christian, maybe you're stuck somewhere in level one, two, or three. But you need the productivity of Christ to move you through this pandemic, through these storms, through the challenges, so that you can bear fruit for the King of Kings, Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads, let's bow our hearts, and let's talk to God right now with hearts that are open to receive His encouraging word. God, I thank you 
for every person today. You are God. You are speaking by your Holy Spirit to each of us right now. Lord, wherever people may be today, on the shore, maybe in the storm, maybe walking through difficulty, wherever they are, I ask that you're speaking right now to them by your Spirit. For some, it's time for them to open their heart to you today to say yes to you, Jesus. To open up and to say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and I do want to experience life with you. Save me and now walk with me and I want to get all in with you today. If that's your prayer and you meant that, you have entered the family of God and now you let that seed, the Word of God, grow in your life. Christian, as you're praying right now, perhaps you found a season of unfruitfulness in your life. Lay that down now. Lay it down. Whatever the worry is, whatever the stress is, whatever it is that's choking out the Word of God, lay it down and say to Jesus, Jesus, I receive your Word. I'm going all in with you, and I want to bear eternal fruit. God, I thank you for how you're at work, even in the midst of our challenge here in New Orleans and in our region, even in the midst of difficulties for many within this family, and yes, for even people all around. God, you can save us. You can rescue us. And you do that when we receive into our hearts your good word. Thank you for this story. Thank you, Jesus, for getting in the boat and for asking us to jump in and come along the ride with you. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church today? It's been a good day, a great celebration all the way around. And I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for those of you in the room. Thank you for our online family. Thank you for being faithful and continuing to give because we've got to continue to work our way through a circumstance. But here's what I know. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He will provide for every need. Even now, if you have needs, you're continuing to work through seasons. Listen, I've spoken with some of you. Some there's practical help. Some there's a thin season of life. I get it. We're all walking through it. Let's ask God for miracles. Let's trust God for his goodness. Let's ask God to come through. Let's ask Jesus, the one in the boat, to bring about great things on our behalf. I'm praying for that. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for being present. And I thank you for going on this journey all in with Jesus. And here's what I know. In the days ahead, as we persevere, as we have a lifetime perspective, as we open up our hearts, we're going to see God do 30, 60, and 100 fold. Who's signing up for that? I am every day. Will you stand to your feet? And let's close today worshiping our Lord Jesus today.